I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We might think that the movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, is all about Fred Rogers. That's the Reverend Fred McFeely Rogers, ordained by the Presbytery of Pittsburgh in 1963 to a ministry on television. Mr. Rogers actually began his ministry before the Presbyterian Church recognized it, and he began in Toronto to pioneer his approach to broadcasting for children. He has become an icon, and he lives on as a whole new generation learns about him through social media and through films. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was the theme song of his long-running children's program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But the movie isn't all about Fred Rogers. And if you follow these things, you may have wondered why Tom Hanks is nominated for awards for Best Supporting Actor for playing Fred Rogers in the film. The film is based on the true story of Tom Junod, a writer for the magazine Esquire. And in 1998, Tom Junod set out to write a piece, an expose of Fred Rogers, because his assumption was nobody can be as kind and good as he pretends to be on television. So the current movie is about a troubled, cynical writer, the name Lloyd Vogel instead of Tom Junod, but it's based on Junod's story. And Lloyd Vogel, the writer, finds healing and hope through Fred Rogers' ministry to him. In the end, Lloyd Vogel echoes the real-life reporter Tom Junod and calls Mr. Rogers a hero. And just about anything we might read about Fred Rogers affirmed that he was the same person in life as he was on television. As his wife often says, what you saw was who he was. But there's another lesser-known story about a journalist, a writer for the conservative Christian journal Christianity Today. Now, you may have heard of that magazine for the first time recently, because before his retirement, the editor of Christianity Today wrote an editorial denouncing his fellow evangelical Christians' unquestioning support of Donald Trump and calling for Trump's removal. And the editorial board backed him up all the way. But soon after the Esquire article was published, Wendy Murray Zoba was sent to Pittsburgh to interview Rogers and write a critical profile of him. Like Tom Junod, Wendy Zoba was troubled. Her life was in turmoil. And now, the movie tells us that Fred Rogers would read whatever he could get to read that a writer had written before he met the writer for the interview. So he may well have known that the most recent article Wendy Zoba wrote was how she overcame her love for her son and dismissed him from the home, even drove him to the airport because he was gay. And it was her duty as a Christian parent to do what she did. So Rogers may well have, uh, Fred Rogers may well have known that that was the kind of believer that Wendy Zoba was. 
So she went to Pittsburgh, where Fred Rogers interviewed her. And then she wrote about the message that sounds through everything Mr. Rogers did. God, in his great mercy, accepts us exactly as we are. Now, Wendy Zoba didn't go home from Pittsburgh all fine and fixed up, and we don't know if she ever saw her son again, but she did go on to write honestly about her own struggles and her struggles in faith and her own growth and the transforming encounter she had with the Reverend Fred McFeely Rogers. Zoba quoted Fred Rogers' words about life. This is what he said. Life is deep and simple. And what our society gives us is shallow and complicated. God, in his great mercy, accepts us exactly as we are. Life is deep and simple. What our society gives us is shallow and complicated. Today we read some familiar words from the Bible. The Beatitudes, the opening of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. And the prophet Micah's words about what God requires of us. Now read the key words from Micah again, from the Message Version by Eugene Peterson. God has made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Deep and simple. And those words are the answer to a serious question asked by people who seem to want to know how they can get close to God. And the question is loaded with some seriously religious language to the point of excess. How can I stand before God and show proper respect to the high God? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams with buckets and barrels of olive oil? Would God be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin? That last one is way over the top. And in context, these words may well be sarcastic. But at least they represent some common assumptions about religion and about what God wants. Complicated and, and shallow. But isn't this what we want from religion? A set of rules to try to obey, a list of duties to be checked off when completed or at least attempted. Some of us believe the more difficult, the more complicated our religion, the better. Religion, after all, is like justice. It must be done and be seen to be done. We really want to know things A, between us and God. The bigger the sacrifice, the more obvious the effort the better chance we have of getting the blessing, right? That's the kind of religion that turns a lot of us off. 
shallow and complicated. And sometimes the church offers that kind of religion. Hosea tells us God has made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in us. Seek and do justice. Be kind and compassionate. Walk humbly with God. Deep and simple. Not easy. It's easy to figure out what God wants us to do and, and, and do it if we just make the right list and, and follow it. We can look into the Bible and find all kinds of lists. And we can do those things and expect results. But to live a life of justice, compassion, and humility, that's a short list but it makes deep demands of us. But the one thing it doesn't demand is that we be especially religious. And what about the Beatitudes? What, what kind of people does Jesus say are blessed? Joyful. It's not the most religious people. That's for sure. Here are the Beatitudes from the message. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. God is food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Blessed. Modern translations say happy, but the Greek word that Matthew uses has more to do with holiness than happiness. But what's holy about meekness, hunger for justice, suffering because you believe what you believe? And so we try to make the Beatitudes both shallow and complicated by turning them into a set of rules, a, a series of nostrums that promise blessing if we at least try to put them to work in our lives. Back in the 80s, Robert Schuller wrote a best-selling book called The Be Happy Attitudes. And since then, preachers and writer preachers have made the Beatitudes into, here are some titles, The Eight Steps to Happiness, A Pathway to Finding God Within You, Eight Principles for Recovery from Addiction. Well, 
If that one works, then I have no problem with it. But the Beatitudes have been co-opted by the priority or, or the prosperity gospel preachers. Do these things and you'll get blessed. That's religion building. Or as one recent writer has referred to that kind of reading of the Beatitudes, they turned them into the me attitudes. It's rule following. It's magical thinking. If you just show you're trying to do these things, there's a good chance you'll be rewarded. But Fred Rogers told Wendy Zoba, I want to broadcast grace all across the nation. Grace. And he did it by word and example, not by pushing religion. In fact, he was criticized by many Christians along the way as not being religious enough, and now those same Christians are criticizing the movie for taking his religion out of it. And yet, Fred Rogers demonstrated the grace of God without ever using God's name. Grace, already and always present. Hosea said, God has already shown you what's good. It's as plain as the nose on your face. Jesus said, blessed are you. Present tense. And even when that present tense is hellish and horrible and hurtful, deep and simple, liberating. Jesus says, God has your back, especially when your circumstances make that hard to believe. God also has your future in hand. We don't have to earn that blessing. We can't, no matter how hard we try. We're set free from any effort to please God, to get close to God, because we're already there. So, deep and simple. Go on living, justice, kindness, humility. Simple, not easy. Deep, but not complicated. Glory to God. Amen.